You're listening to The Setup Podcast, a podcast that helps you navigate new topics in music, tech, and entrepreneurship with the most disruptive professionals in the music industry, turning their experiences working behind the scenes into actionable advice you can use. I'm Sydney. And I'm Sam. And we're your hosts for The Setup Podcast. If you're like us, passionate about paving your own path, hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite app because we'll help set you up for success at The Setup Podcast. I want to say a quick shout out to our amazing listeners. Truly, I created this podcast to help those who are new to the industry, just like I was once. And I'm very happy to learn that I can also provide insight to those who have been in music for a while. I want to give another shout out to all of our new listeners of The Setup Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Hey. Hey, Sydney. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, No complaints. You know, just got back from Mexico. Oh, yeah. What a nice little vacation. I just just thought about the last time I had a vacation, and it was in February. Time flies. I mean, this is the first time that I've actually stayed overnight in Mexico ever. And it's the, yeah. And it is the, it's been like two and a half years since I've been international. So, all right. So who we got this week, Sydney? We have Jamie Bellotti. She is the founder of fan to ban an entertainment company that specializes in fan engagement. Prior to fan to ban Jamie worked at all three major record labels alongside some of the top talents in the industry. As a fangirl herself, she is now an advocate for how much you can learn from having a fan on your favorite artist team. Every artist should have fan insight incorporated into everything they do, because by giving their fans a platform to, to voice their ideas, artists and their teams can incorporate that insight into strategic and effective campaigns. Today, we are discussing fan strategy and the importance of creating street teams for artists. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a service for musicians that puts your music into social platforms and streaming services. They have a cool new feature that gets your fans involved called Spotlight. You can choose a song and get your followers to vote for your song to be featured on one of their Spotify playlists. And as a bonus, your fans can also directly message you. Now let's talk about other great ways to connect with your fans. Hi, how was your day going so far? It's good. Thanks for joining us today. It's great to have you. We'd like to hear your background, how you got into music. Yeah, it's very unconventional. Um, I was always, you know, super lucky with the fact that I knew what I wanted to do. I know that I'm lucky because I have a lot of friends who are struggling or trying different things. I've been a big advocate that you don't know what you like until you learn what you don't. I've definitely experienced that myself. But I've always known I wanted to go into the music industry. I'm based in the suburbs of New York. I come from a middle class family with absolutely zero connections to the industry. My mom works in the medical field and my dad's a city worker. So um, when I told them I wanted to work in the industry, you know, starting college, it's less of a dream and more of, oh, she's actually doing this. Uh, You know, they were very supportive and they still are to this day. But I quickly learned how expensive music industry colleges were. And Although I got in um, 
I saw that price tag. I saw how much debt I was going to be in and I had to find another way in. So I ended up studying pre-law over at John Jay College of Criminal Justice in New York City, Hell's Kitchen. Um, And before I even knew it was true, I was saying, oh, if I, you know, learn how to read a contract, it'd be beneficial in the music industry. Thank God I was right, especially with starting my own business. It's so beneficial. I don't even have the words to explain, but I also played uh, college and soccer. No, soccer in college, English. Um, I always, I literally do that every time. I played soccer in college and we practice every morning at 7 a.m. And I would commute and I would be on, you know, stand Twitter, listening to new music. It gave me uh, two and a half hours to really just dive into what was up for that day. And the same thing when I was headed home. So I had a lot of advisors and coaches and professors who supported me no matter what I wanted to do. But it was up to myself to get myself there. Um, right. I ended up interning at Atlantic Records for three semesters. I was in radio promo for one, international marketing for two. I was in Republic Records for one semester over in radio promo. I was at Sony over at the Orchard and Performance Rights Services, a few publishing companies. And moral of the story is I got in because of, yes, hard work. Luck has a lot to do with it. But I had amazing supervisors that were fans first and that they didn't discriminate against, you know, being a fan was my only prereq. I wasn't sitting in these classes that were teaching me marketing. I was learning business law and all that stuff. So they gave me the opportunity to learn, to make mistakes, to feel that I was in a safe place to, you know, speak my opinions and there are many stories I can tell you guys about when I did open my mouth, thank goodness. And I got myself in those doors, um, learned a lot of lessons, but they would ask us interns what fans were thinking. There was no one answer. And I thought that, you know, you're in this industry, you have all the answers. How do you not know that, you know, what Lizzo wants versus what Ava Max wants from Bruno to Ed Sheeran and so on, that their audiences are very different because I saw they were defining them by age, gender, and location, um, which I'm sure you know is important for like email marketing and advertising. But how do you define somebody by that? It's like saying everybody who identifies as female in New York and is 18 listens and consumes music the same way, which they don't. Um, Long story short, I did a Still a long story. I did uh, consulting for fan engagement up until I graduated in May of 2020. And then we hit the ground running with fan to band and it's been a story ever since. So that's my long background. Uh, still being written, but I'm very lucky to be where I am. And I really could not credit the people I surround myself with enough. I would not be here today if people didn't help me. That's really incredible to hear, especially at the age that you're at. And I would agree, like you're lucky that you knew what you wanted to do, or at least had an idea. And then just like perseverance and determination got you there. What made you start your own business versus working for one of these labels again? I would not trade my experience for the world. And I will preface that I did not walk in every day. Like, I made mistakes. It was tough. We were in there for long times. I, I'm very, very much a perfectionist. And I hated the fact when I made mistakes, I had to learn a lot of lessons and so on. And I do think that they are great environments, depending on, you know, the executives, depending on the supervisors. But I saw a lot of supervisors or people that I looked up to, not specifically in my department, just in general, um, 
be discredited or just people didn't understand like where their fan brains were at or like why are you watching a Jonas Brothers video at 7 p.m. on a Friday when you could be somewhere like didn't see the dedication or necessarily no one was saying fan engagement prior to the pandemic no one you were looked at like you were nuts and now everybody has it in their LinkedIn bios as a fan super strategist like we were there beforehand and the reason why I rather start my own company than work at, you know, what these amazing labels, some get it, some don't, is that we're going to be here long after people are using fan engagement as a buzzword. And we're going to be here making fans be seen and heard and valued um, even after the fact. And I feel like label departments tend to go with trends and it's really easy to be phased out or phased in. And I wanted to do it on my own terms. And I figured... I figured if anyone else wasn't doing it, why not me? And you hear these cliche things, but it's cliche because it's true. So the curiosity of not going for it would keep me up at night for sure. I I cannot deal with the curiosity of like unturned stones. (laughs) Yeah. I bet. And that's what makes you an entrepreneur. It's, it's that mindset. Like what artists um, are you the biggest fan of? And like, what really pushed you into this? Oh goodness. It's weird. I right now as a 23 year old adult, I listen to so many different kinds of music. I, I often say that whatever label I was working at, you know, when you date someone you tend to like get their characteristics or their mannerisms, I started to become fans of what label I was working at. Never Mm. in my life had I ever listened to Roddy Rich. And I could probably sing you every single lyric of his songs that I was working at the time um, and Jack Carlo and so on. But my stand is definitely One Direction, the Jonas Brothers, anything on Disney Channel, Camp Rock. It's super strange because because I couldn't really afford concerts as a kid. I I did not have it in me. You know, they thought I was going to be a lawyer from a young age, but I didn't could not convince my mom to spend X amount to be like front row at Camp Rock. Um, She definitely Mm -hmm. would, but I also had soccer tournaments my whole life. So online stand culture was so important to me. I would stay up in the middle of the night to like follow update accounts on the Jonas Brothers or One Direction and be like, they're having a streaming party in Brazil. I need to be there. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Like, and my, my family definitely didn't understand it. They just saw it as like, oh, this is what kids do, I guess. Um, but I'm 23 and I haven't stopped. A lot of my friends are like, you still listen to like the same music. Like you're listening to camp rock soundtrack. I'm like, I'm a creature of habit these days. Uh, and I never grew out of the fan phase and I hope I never do. Um, well, let me tell you, the Jonas Brothers were just in Chicago area. Um, I'm jealous. (laughs) so I saw a bunch of my friends actually like stream them and I'm like oh because everyone's obsessed with Joe and no one can believe that he's a a dad yeah okay that's That's also something yeah it's crazy to me I I never I never expected to carry like my fan perspective this far into my career I also never set out to be an entrepreneur if you would have told me that in high school yeah, my work ethic is crazy, but I never connected the dots to say, oh, I'm going to start my, you know, my own company one day. The only time I ever said that was when I was interning over at Atlantic. And even then, I'm not sure I fully believed myself yet. So uh, I'm glad I can connect my passions with it. And, you know, just one step at a time. It's it's a it's a wild ride. I will tell you that much. I'm sure you guys know. The Jonas Brothers are such a unique, like, band you know, we're 30 years old and 
we knew them when we were like, I don't know, like 10 years old or something. And they span generations and they continue to push forward. It's, it's, it's wild. And I do attribute that to fan clubs and like the culture around them because they're able to do what like not a lot of artists are able to do. Yeah, I would 110% agree. And it's crazy that people are even finding them now through like streaming services or like yeah. my niece is five and she started talking about Camp Rock. I'm like, what? Uh, she's like, yeah. And she talks about Justin Bieber and like very much into like technology is making people um, be more accessible to being a fan from a young age. Um, but in terms of the Jonas Brothers, I definitely think that Jonas Brothers, One Direction, Justin Bieber, inspired a lot of people to want to work in that capacity without really even being able to define what that meant. Right. Yes. I've always known I wanted to work in the music industry and I, I had that same like fire in my gut that I have now. But back then I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea what all these different departments were or what mm -hmm. fan engagement necessarily was, but I understood it because I was a part of the culture. And I think a, a massive misconception is that you can't be both a fan and a professional. I'm very much the first one there, last to leave, both virtually and in person, first to own up to any mistakes and learn about them. The most professional person I can be always. And I definitely know that with the fan perspective, you kind of have to be even more of a professional because people are expecting you to be hysterical because obviously as everything, mm -hmm. there's a good and a bad side to it. Uh, so, but I can sit here and talk about brothers, all talk about radio charts and international territories all day long is what, whatever the mood is, you know? Yeah. Um, so at its core, like what does fan engagement mean? So that's another, you know, loop back to what you were saying before, how, you know, why did I do it with myself rather than with these labels that I was loving so much? And fan engagement meant something else to me. Fan engagement within some labels, depending on who I'm talking about, is just interacting with the fan. Most of the time it's through the artist account. And that's, that's great if that's, what's needed you know I've learned a lot lately that you know artists set out to make great music and they don't always understand social media so they do need help with it mm -hmm. but even if you don't understand social media like I can't get on zoom every day but I figure it out and it's me on zoom um but of course it's you know I just I digress it's harder at a larger capacity but in these labels fan engagement is interacting with fans whether as if they're the artists or just like collecting data on age gender and location Everyone defines it differently, but fan engagement to me is making sure that the different segmentations of a fan base outside of those three major buckets are being catered to. An example I've been giving a lot lately is Lord's Onion Ring account. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it. How do you define that through age, gender, and location? Um, Lord had an Instagram account that fans found where she would eat and review onion rings. Um, and after fans found out it was her, they actually used it to release music through it. So what part of the fan base is that? You know, how, are those 18 right. year olds in New York who are female? Um, also, like Taylor Swift has a, you know, different segmentations of her um, fan base, whether people who love cats, women empowerment, um, you know, people who are songwriters. There's just so many different facets that I felt weren't being catered to. And a lot of trend copying was happening. So I wanted to create a definition of fan engagement that is making fans feel seen, heard, and valued through every single campaign activation and, you know, 
onwards of whatever an artist may do and also allow for them to become professionals through their passions of being fans and have them be given the right tools and also there were a lot of things to this day my number one asset and skill set that keeps me going is my fan perspective everything else you can learn you cannot learn that perspective I really like the way that you define fan engagement because it touches on artists traits and lifestyles outside their music because ultimately it does define who they are and influences their music. And I think that's the greatest way to connect with your fans because those are the ones that are going to be loyal and um, stay true and like really get invested in the artist through those common commonalities. Can you walk us through like what fan to band is and how you work with artists? Absolutely. And that actually ties into the new sector that we're building out. So what Phantom Band has been um, for the past since, you know, June of 2020, we did three different sectors. So there's the educational side, which is our street team. We provide workshops, speakers, panelists for fans who are looking to become professionals to not only get their foot in the door, but also know what the heck to do once you get in the door, because nobody really tells you that. The second sector. Yeah. I mean, I wish I knew so many things and I don't have a time machine, but I can tell a bunch of other people. And I know all the professional friends that I've made along the way feel the same and they just want to give back. So that's the street team. We have over a thousand members in 29 plus countries. And we're currently held um, on a closed Facebook group as well as Slack. And we're really excited to be developing some kind of technology to bring them more, you know, in one spot rather than across all the numerous but amazing social platforms that technology provides for us. Um, The second asset of our company is our brand. And that would be our Instagram as well as our blog, really just providing content that we also react to as fans and doing blogs and some resources and really empowerment kind of content to give fans the confidence that they can be both professionals and fans if they want to be. And if they don't, we just provide content that we would want to consume as fans because we are part of the audience. And then the third sector is that we work along artist teams to really get to know their audience in a way that makes a good campaign great outside of those buckets that I refer back to every five seconds. And then during those campaigns, we collect real-time fan feedback that makes everything more effective as you go. We work with artists that are just building, um, you know, to the top artists in the world. And we do not have a blanket strategy for all of them because that's where we see other people going wrong. The same trends for, let's say, Miley Cyrus aren't going to work for, I don't know, a Jack Harlow. And if they do, that's a cross-pollination of their fandom. Mm-hmm. So to my point of the three different sectors I have learned this year that they all deserve to stand on their own because they are all so important we've learned about the lack of educational resources in international territories um, for the music industry and we've been building that out we learned that you know there's different kind of content that reacts better with our brand and the artist services sector we're building out right now um, in partnership with Claudia Villarella and Olivia Radensky, um, which is actually launching at the end of this month, which is why I've been pushing back the podcast. Um, and it's really going to provide some great artist services for fan bases and artists that 
one, we know need the help. Um, and when I say need the help, we just want to amplify their voices. We just want to give them a platform to have fans' ideas not only credited, but valued and everything they do, then they'll feel more seen and heard. And of course, fandom is actively changing. So we just keep our finger on the pulse and make sure we do everything we can to be as inclusive and diverse as we can be. Yeah. So that's the long explanation. There's a lot to it, but that's what we are. Hey, I can appreciate that. The more information, the better, in my opinion. Uh, And actually, that's how I discovered your brand. You know how LinkedIn always provides like recommendations on who to connect with? Your army of street team members was all (laughs) over my recommendations. And I looked at this and like, what is this? And then that's how I, that's how I found you and how I found out about the brand. I think it's just so incredible. It's such a community. Thank you. I could not, I I just, I, sometimes I sit down and I just meet with all these street team members because we can have like these large numbers of like 6,000, 7,000. But what we've done over the past year and a half is make sure I actually get to personally know these people. So when there's job postings or they need, you know, help X, Y, and Z, I've actually gotten to know them as individuals. And we've placed over a hundred people in industry jobs from major labels to AEG to Live Nation. It's, it's been amazing to watch, but these individuals to think that anyone has ever counted them out from being a fan just ignites, (laughs) ignites what I do every day. And of course, like you could be living your dream job and it could still be stressful. Absolutely. But it's the passion that I get from these people every single day, as well as our internal team that I know every single win I have is a win for them and vice versa. And every time I get on podcasts or articles and tell their stories that it's only going to get their foot in more doors. That's really incredible wow. to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. And one big and, team, one big team. <laughs> and knowing every single one of them too. That's fantastic. Oh, they know me too. If you, they mm-hmm. are very much aware. If you just put like content out that like Jamie Bellotti is tech support down <laughs> to the street team member who joined last week will probably be aware of my terrible Wi-Fi connection, but we're going to all just call Spectrum at once and just tell them, we need to get it better. But again, I digress. (laughs) So on the artist services side, who is the first artist that you've worked with? Yeah. So I will say it's been a tough time explaining all that just because a lot of what we do, you know, we sign NDAs, like not every artist Mm. wants to talk about the fact that they, you know, need help with their audience. But I will tell you what we did in the beginning of our artist services. So we could have went to every single, you know, artist team, management and label and said, oh, we know all these fans, like we can help you. But that wouldn't necessarily be true. So kind of to, you know, rally the troops, we did activations not in partnership with the artists themselves. We did one really cool one with a band called Why Don't We? That sign over to Atlantic in partnerships with their top update accounts is how we got around that. Um we, it was called um, the Fallen Streamathon. It was a scavenger hunt where fans had to answer questions and stream the song. 
And along the way, they were having fun, but also providing opinions that the artists and their team needed. And we actually ended up trending on Twitter number 14 in the United States. Um, We also did an update account partnership with Justin Crew on Twitter. They have 1 million followers supporting Justin Bieber. And we did Not So Lonely Week with the goal to connect um, younger and older, you know, newer and older fans of Justin Bieber amongst many, many activations for an entire week. And we were able to then compare that to future focus groups, fast forward a year and a half later, working with not only, you know, those artists, but similar artists who can also benefit from that information. So although I can't sit here and say X, Y, and Z people just yet, you guys are getting the exclusive um, because all this information is going to be actually launched at the end of the month. That's awesome. That sounds really exciting. It seems like a lot of work um, yep. in the pro- in progress. <laughs> oh, definitely. I'm sure it's, 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 it's relieving. <laughs> it is a time, but we, we've worked alongside, you know, some smaller artists that really let us learn a lot. Um, one of them, Beauty School Dropout. I highly recommend them. Um, they're, they just finished up a tour or are finishing up a tour. And, you know, there's three different kinds of people. There's one, the people that, you know, know about fan engagement. They love it. They live it. Um, two, the people who don't, but they're so willing to learn. And they were that group. They wanted to learn everything about their fan base, like getting to know their best friends. And then There's the people who won't admit in the industry that there's something they don't know. A lot of people think fan engagement is either a phase or, you know, Mm -hmm. something not to be credited, but it's just like streaming. You can still sit there and play your CDs, um, which is great. I often do, but it would be a lie to say that you cannot survive in this industry without streaming and fan engagement is the next version of that. And honestly, at its core, like fans are the reason why your music gets heard and does well. So it does make sense to me that people wouldn't want to right? involve the fans. It makes no sense. You guys get it. Yeah. <laughs> and throughout their entire career, I would, I would think that, you know, that they would want to um, be involved and that they want to continuously engage and not just let, you know, some of the music continue for the fans that are going to be like super fans for the rest of their lives. Um, but like continuously growing that engagement with new fans and new generations. Absolutely. I would say that some of the biggest arguments that I hear people make against it, because I always have to be prepared and try to learn who I'm talking to as I'm, you know, which category they fall in. Um, Of course, as I'm sitting here saying, you know, the positive sides of fandom, I of course have to acknowledge some of the negative sides but with that being said, not every fan wants to be a professional and not ev- in the industry and not every fan should be. So, you know, you're kind of defining an entire group of people off of a stigma that, you know, is mainly placed on women. So that's definitely something a lot of women navigate. And also um, a lot of artists, you know, some artists think it's extra work to do this kind of um, level of fan engagement, but the fans are doing it anyway. You might as well mm-hmm. lean into the fun they're already having while pulling opinions mm-hmm. that you should very much value. And, you know, I just think it's some of it is low hanging fruit. And then some people just don't always have the time to get to know their fan base on a level because 
it is a job within itself and it's why we have a company and we're here to do so. Wanted to get a little clarity though. Um, I know you mentioned like getting to know the fans of the artists that you work with. Do you also like create the strategy and then execute as well as getting to know the audience? Yes, that is the number one question I also seem to get. Yes, we do. So first step is getting to know them through market research, through various different ways that we collect it, um, which are very, very unique to us. And then two, we sit down with the artist team and see, you know, what is authentic to them in that moment. There's a lot of great ideas that come with fans, um, but also having that industry knowledge on our own internal team's back end. We understand like the budgeting and the touring and every other aspect that goes into these campaigns and then execute them alongside these artists teams, like you said. And then the part that we do that we really love the most is collecting the fans reactions and the fan feedback. And we don't gatekeep any information if it's negative sometimes, like if fans aren't necessarily enjoying some of the content that the artist has put out prior and we're collecting it to then pitch to work with them, we say exactly what the fans are thinking. In fact, we quote them on it with links to the actual social posts or their email because it would not be fair to only say the good stuff for our company's benefit. We want to be diverse and inclusive and absolutely represent whatever audience we're representing in that moment in the best way possible. So we give them a platform to voice their opinions. Most of the time, we also introduce the fans if they want to become professionals and, you know, get their foot in the door there. Um, We had a fan who was really um, very, very well versed in Discord once, um, and she ended up helping us build out a Discord for an artist we were working with. They did a soft launch. Over 500 fans joined within the first week without even officially announcing it. We moderate their servers. It's a good time. And it's fun because each campaign we execute is different, which keeps us on our toes, to say the least. For, you know, artists who are doing everything themselves and maybe can't afford like a team or what have you, how would you recommend them gaining that insight into their fans? Because I know that's like a huge pain point, you know, like they don't really understand like who their fans are, frankly. Yeah. So what, what, how would you recommend them getting started with that? Yeah, I would say I've seen a lot of artists who don't necessarily know themselves yet and they put out music and it's cool to see how their music kind of teaches them about themselves, like brings out different facets or opinions that, you know, the songwriting process or the artistry process brings out. So you can best serve your fans by getting to know yourself better. So for example, you know, like I said before, Taylor Swift and her cats is an entire sector of her industry uh, and her audience that that's just a personal interest of hers. I see a lot of artists, you know, talk about their eating habits or like their different kind of interests from sports to music to you name it, traveling. So getting to know yourself and making sure that you're actively putting out putting it out there in an organic way. You don't have to just shove information down fans' throats. They just want to have the perfect balance of you pushing not only your brand, but also your personality. And, you know, when that balance goes off is when fans start to feel it and things go haywire. You know, when you have these artists that fans felt were so obtainable in the beginning and then now they're these untouchable industry people 
because they're pushing too much of their brand and not including, you know, they're not with you anymore on Twitter or so-and-so, um, you start to feel that disconnect. So I would say, get to know yourself, put your personal brand out there as much as you put your music out there or find your own balance. Not every artist needs to be tweeting every five seconds or making 10 TikToks or posting on Instagram every day. It's making sure that you're listening to your own intentions, your own gut, because the music industry lives by an invisible set of rules that you look around and you're like, well, you're the boss. You can absolutely change that. Like, for example, Lizzo, when her sync placement in 2019 went crazy on Stan Twitter for right. um, the Netflix movie, Someone Great, it yeah. was not common to put a radio single out from 2017. I mean, this is prior to TikTok blow- blowing up songs from decades ago. But I, one of the times, like I said, where I opened my mouth, was I said, why don't you just put a deluxe version of it on the new album you just put out? You know, why not? You guys make the rules. And they're like, oh, Leslie, your intern's crazy. Uh, She (laughs) thinks that he could put a song on radio from 2017, like Juice is the single, you know, and my supervisor provided me a spot with, you know, that safe place to say that. And she was like, I don't know, like Jamie's a Lizzo fan. And I actually got the um, internship over at International at Atlantic because they heard me say that because we literally just sat next to each other. So they heard me say that. Um, And I'm happy I opened my mouth. I look back. I have no idea where that confidence came from. But if I had to guess, it was that I knew I knew in that moment that Lizzo fans were loving it. And I trust fans more than anyone. Uh, So I said it and I'm happy I did. I just, I can feel the anxiety from that moment that I felt. I appreciate people like you because I think, you know, no matter your position in a company, you should feel like you can offer something, you know, you're there for a reason. So I pity the companies that don't appreciate, um, you know, even interns opinion. Yeah. And, and I literally lucked out so hard. Every supervisor, I've ever had from Atlantic to Republic to Sony have just been fangirls point blank. (laughs) And I, I, Leslie had my back that day. She said, no, Jamie is a Lizzo fan and she's on stand Twitter for two hours before she comes here every day on the bus and probably walking over after soccer practice. And, you know, and things change because of people like that. Things change now every five seconds, whether the song is from, 10 years ago or today, if it's blowing up on TikToks, like get that on radio. So it just goes to say that like, you know, being on fan engagement before it was a buzzword, before I even knew how to define it, before I knew that it was literally going to define my career. I just trusted my perspective and it's not always right. It's not, it's not a foolproof formula, but you have to trust yourself enough to put yourself out there. And I think that also goes along with women empowerment that there's a lot of people out there who who have opinions that they just so blindly trust themselves that they put themselves out there more. And then you say, how are those people so far ahead in their career? That makes no sense. It's because they think they're so cool, (laughs) which is often something fangirls are told they're not. Um, so that's why we really, really focus on, um, on empowering fans in general so that they have that confidence, even if it's for 10 seconds and they ask themselves, just like I did, what the heck did I just say afterwards? Uh, all you need is those 10 seconds sometimes. And 
Sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't, but you just got to keep saying it. Actually that like, that's a good point. I'm not a huge like Twitter user, but is, is that a good way to like, even as an artist themselves to like maybe type in their name or their band name and see what the conversation is about? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But Twitter can be a scary place, but if you can survive Mm -hmm. stand Twitter, you can survive anywhere. Trust me. Um, And we very much have said that across our brand, but yeah, Twitter is a great place. Even if you're a newer artist who doesn't like, maybe fans aren't actually talking about you go look about who you're a fan of. I mean, Olivia Rodrigo built her whole Mm -hmm. fan base or at least a solid portion of it off of the fact that she's a Taylor Swift fan because now Olivia Taylor Swift fans are like, Oh, Olivia Rodrigo is one of us. She's one of us. We're going to take care of her. Like, and now you see more and more people say who they're a fan of. I mean, Camila Cabello on um, James Corden's show just said she had a One Direction fan account when she was younger for the first time. Why didn't she bring that up in the first X amount of years of her career? Because there's no shot that people don't see that this is working for Olivia Rodrigo. She's open and passionate about the sectors of herself. It's crazy to kind of consider yourself a brand, but you know, this is who she's a fan of it, what she enjoys. She brings her fans along the ride. Um, yeah. And more and more people are like, oh yeah, I've had an update account or a fan account, or I've been a fan of so-and-so for years, but COVID allowed for, you know, industry professionals to go online Yeah, this whole time. And the reason that they understood online culture, which we all had to, you know, migrate to was because they were fans online for years or decades prior. Um, And that's, in my opinion, the only reason why the music industry survived the pandemic because of stand culture and their understanding of how an audience works online. It's kind of funny because I think we forget that artists listen to other artists and that they're yeah. actually fans of other artists. They're not just and listening they're humans. to their own album. Yeah, yeah that's what I was yeah. going to say too. It like humanizes them. It makes untouchables yeah. come down closer to us mm-hmm. and it makes us like feel closer to them even if we can't still be near them or anything like that. I know, how crazy. Olivia Rodrigo was going around to fans' houses. The biggest artist on the planet right now going mm-hmm. around to physical fan houses and inviting them to her prom that she had to promote her music. <sighs> and then there's fans who, uh, there's artists who won't even say liners. Like, hey, you're so-and-so and you're listening to my song. And listen, there's definitely a certain level of celebrity to where you don't need to. I think a great example of it is Ed Sheeran right now. Ed Sheeran is Ed Sheeran. He doesn't need to do promo or have a Ed Sheeran HQ, but he is right now. He has a close friend stories on his update account that his team is rolling out. He's doing liners and promo and reposting fan art. And it just goes to sit, you know, show that like some of these artists who aren't interacting with their fans really should reevaluate why they're not. Listen, if it's authentic to them and that they are not for the right reasons, great. But, you know, social norms are changing. You can interact with your fans in ways right now that, you don't have to think that they're just hysterical. They want to help you, you know? So I can rant about it all day. It's all I do. It's all I talk about. At least someone's and, recording it this time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly what you're here for. <laughs> yeah. So I want to bring it back to what um, I know you mentioned fan feedback uh, a couple of times. What do you mean by that? Like, what's your approach with getting some insight like that? Yeah. So I... 
a good example I could say is Justin Bieber, you know, has such great music, such a great catalog and portfolio that there's a lot of songs to choose from. And some fans have different opinions from each other as to what the focus single should be or what their favorite song is, as any artist does, from Taylor Swift to Miley to Camila to literally any genre. Fans have opinions. And these labels, as well as management and artists themselves, are always guessing what fans are thinking. But there's no reason to guess because fans are out there sharing their opinions and sharing this valuable feedback. Like when I was 12, I tweeted that so-and-so Jonas Brothers song was my favorite song. I bet you that would have meant something to an executive at some time. So we collect that at a larger scale and often let the fans know, you know, if it's an artist we're working with that we're sharing their opinions. And it's not about doing okay, fans say they want this single in this campaign and they they want the cover art to be blue. And that's what we're going to do. That's not exactly what we do. We take the fans' opinions along with the industry insight and then, you know, the artist vision. And you combine that to create something you didn't even know you needed. Because when you're doing that without the fan insight, you're essentially throwing ideas to the wall and praying it sticks. And You just don't need to do that anymore. So we do focus groups and market research. And if it's a newer artist or an artist who's maybe like pivoting, we do, you know, evaluations of their audience. And we look at the different sectors. Like, for example, Olivia Rodrigo has a great sector of her fan base that's, you know, obviously oriented towards Disney Channel because she was in High School Musical, the musical. um, And She created fans that way. It doesn't necessarily always need to be through just the music. It's it's like showing your friends your music. You're either friends first or you share the same music taste first. And it doesn't really matter which comes first. So we do a lot. It's a crazy time. Yeah, that's an interesting approach. I I I feel like that's really cool because that gives you in-depth like looks into how fans listen to music and why they're listening to who they listen to. Oh, it's deep. We get deep for (laughs) sure. It's uh, I mean, it's crazy. You know, everything in the music industry, not everything, but a lot of it is automated. And even when people see our company, they're like, that's so great. But imagine if you can put an algorithm to it. I'm like, yeah, that would help. But we still need actual human beings going through meeting the fans, going through the feedback because Stan culture is a language within itself. And, you know, what might mean something in like broad daylight to like, I don't know, some kind of language that a fan would use or say it's cool or say it's bad. It's like speaking another language. If you if you're not familiar with it, it can be interpreted in a completely different way if you don't understand the audience or their humor or their personality. And we essentially transcribe it for artist teams and put it in a digestible format that actually goes into action steps to implement it and make things better rather than like uh, something that nobody understands like great this is all fan feedback what the heck does this mean or like okay here it is and this is what this means and this is how you can help or change things or this is what you're doing great you know Mm-hmm. Taking that whole human factor um, into it and not necessarily using the algorithms, would that be partially how or why you differ from other platforms that do you similar or do you some kind of approach for fan engagement? 
Yeah, I, I absolutely think so. And there were a lot of different platforms like backstage when I was growing up that came up that tried and failed fan engagement. But the difference is they're doing fan engagement from the perspective of what they think fans want. We do it from the perspective of what fans say they want. And again, we don't just give them everything they want, but we make sure that we're thinking about them with everything we do. We have them at the forefront of our minds. Um, and yeah, the algorithm part, it would definitely make our life easier. And as we continue to grow, I would say I would love to kind of automate and put all of the street team on an app. I hope I'm mm -hmm. speaking that into it in existence and our street team members can point to this podcast soon enough and say she called it um, because that's yeah. a massive goal of ours. Um because it would make our street team managers who are human beings, not robots, um, lives easier if like you can pull more information from hashtags or have an algorithm that pulls keywords, X, Y, and Z, you know, all those examples. But we still have people at the end of the day meeting other people, listening to other people, and valuing their opinions. I don't think that there's technology out there that can do that yet. And if there was, I would be scared. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm sure there there might be some thing in some way, but it's yeah, definitely not Discord accurate. Is pretty, <laughs> yeah, Discord is pretty on it. We actually have a, a server that um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Discord, but they yep. you know they have the bots again. Tech support mm. me over here. Bots are not real people. I learned this the hard way, um, and uh, that's what I'm. I always go to as well. Like always learning. Like I do not know everything, but I'm always make sure I'm learning. I had no idea about discord prior to its launch. And I took the time to learn about it, understand it, learn how to build it. I think a lot of people in the industry stop learning for whatever reason. Um, yeah. but yeah, they have a Zodiac bot that can like read your horoscope for the day and they're kind of scary accurate. So maybe <laughs> they understand my personality and they're a robot. So they're ahead of it. The more I mean, you know, right? Yeah. I mean, just having an iPhone, they're literally, they are literally tracking like everywhere we're they're doing or where we're walking. Yeah. I, um, I can say I'm having like pasta with tomatoes yep. and onions and broccoli. And then on my TikTok, it's that exact recipe mm -hmm. that like I've yeah. never seen before in my life because my mom has made it like super weird stuff. I'm scared of it, but also I embrace it. <laughs> yep. Um, and eventually all of us will find some kind of access to gain those insights. You know, since you're you're using Twitter and Facebook and Discord, how do you decide what the best platforms are? Each audience uses social platforms for different things. I mean, I can go on and on about how Twitter mm -hmm. has like mutated and changed over the years, but essentially one thing is functionality. So Discord isn't for everyone, but if the artist goes to it, like half of the time, because it's newer, we also have to explain to the fans how to use it because mm -hmm. it's not necessarily something you would know, but fans are so smart. They can Google it in five seconds and be experts. Like I do not think that it's too hard for them to figure out. Um, but also it's the preference of the artist and the audience as well. Like a lot of people aren't comfortable making TikToks and that's okay. But because it was such a viral platform in the industry, it's like, oh, if you don't make TikToks, then what are you doing? Um, so it's, and of course, you know, going out of your comfort zone, both as a fan, a professional and an artist is very important. Um, but 
I would argue that the artist to fan connection is super important, but also the fan to fan connection. So where do they feel most safe to interact with each other? Where do they feel that they're welcomed? I mean, finding these, what they call mutuals, getting your foot into the fandom isn't always the easiest thing. If you're super, for me, I had no friends at my physical school or home that loved One Direction. I had to find them. And and there's really no blueprint on to how to do so. But I went to the platforms where I felt safe to say, I'm a One Direction fan. Anybody going to the show in August or X, Y, and Z, which I very much did. Um, and the internet is a scary place, but it could also connect a lot of people in some unique ways. So whatever platform you feel most safe on of course user friendly is a big thing like twitter is really easy discord they have robots but i'm i'm leaning towards discord it's really cool but they do have robots that speak to you so if anyone is listening and you're going to go on discord bots are not real people don't get it twisted (laughs) and it kind of i don't know it kind of makes me laugh because i remember when i was a kid like literally we would actively seek that like robot I forgot what it was the site to actually talk back to you and like have a conversation oh I Um, do remember (laughs) this I remember my sister would like show it to me and like play tricks on me that Mm -hmm. this person is a real robot what you know I know that a lot of just like fan base communities are digitally um and of course probably a lot of the majority unless you like do meetups and um in person but now that we're we're getting back into live music and you know we're able to have fan engagement in person are you um starting to think about any um experiential fan engagement opportunities um outside of like digital platforms absolutely um on the educational side we are really looking forward to planning events and panels and highly saturated markets where our street team members Mm -hmm. are. We have a massive international audience. So we want to make sure that we're catering to them as well. We do our best with time zones. Um, I will get up at 3 a.m. to teach anybody about cover letters these days. Um, Just because we we never want to gatekeep information just because I'm solely located in New York and most of our team members. I mean, our director of our street team is based in Milan, Italy. So we we keep it uh we keep it pretty um international but um yeah and in terms of the artist services i would say that innovative and you know testing the waters of in person events and what you can do at concerts and meetups is probably if not like second thing on our team's mind always just because they're thinking about it about what they wish they had Like when we're building out the discord, someone on our team was like, these fans must feel so seen that this artist is in here right now with them. Imagine if One Direction did this. And we think about that because our favorite artists have at least at one point made us all feel that way, which is why we're fans of them. Um, So both in person and digitally, we're always thinking of ways for, you know, artists to do things their own way for fans to feel like unique special every word or synonym you can find of that um and also just have a good time because it's been a rough rough year and a half this pandemic has been hard to say the least for a lot of us and we want to make sure that you know we're not skipping the concert we're we're having a good time no matter where we are 
um, and we're making the most of it because I think at least I'll speak for myself. I won't speak for anyone else. I always was like, oh, I'll work. I'll go to the next one. I'll go to the next one. And now I'm taking every opportunity I can to have a fun time along the way. Of course, we have a lot of work to do, but um, I'm having fun along the way, which makes my job easier than others, I would say. I, I love that you keep putting a spotlight on your street team. I mean, I've seen a million of them and I'm connected to a million of them. Like, Everybody they're... says this to me. They're like, well, what are they doing? I'm like, they're learning. Well, yeah. Well, actually, what I was going to ask you on top of the educational and networking piece within your community, is your street team also involved in promoting artists or getting involved in a strategy oh, yeah. involving artists? Yeah, so they have the opportunity um, to not only join in partner promotions that we have with like focus groups that we work alongside artist teams, but we also create a safe spot for them to say any of their ideas, whether they want us to help them or, you know, the hardest part of anything, especially in this industry is getting started. We have a lot of people who have amazing ideas, but just have no idea how to start. I mean, who really does? I know I didn't. And I know I would have literally no opportunities if the people who had no obligation to help me at all but they did so anyway so we really really do try to do that for as many street team members as we can they come into different points in their lives some people want to give back and teach others some people want to learn some people are in this weird awkward middle stage that a lot of industry people tend to get stuck in and they don't know what their next career move is so they're just looking for some inspiration but no matter what way you find us, we're a community that supports each other. And, you know, we promote artists, whether they're fans of them or they're not. A lot of people through our promotional services become fans of who we're partnered with. And that's also cool because music discovery is so oversaturated these days. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot listen to a song for more than like a minute because there's so much coming at me. But um, it, it's great to see everyone rally together. I, I am often known for, you know, hyping up not only our street team, but our internal team, because I could not, and I I wish I can emphasize this and bold it, but like, I could not get through my day without my team. I don't know if the universe just surrounded me with great people. I have no idea how I lucked out, but to see other people as passionate about an idea I had in my head one day is definitely something that's hard to wrap my head around. But I appreciate it and I will never not be grateful for it. Yeah. So what do you want to be known for? Oh, gosh, this is something (laughs) to see. Like I said, I said uh, earlier on, I never meant to be an entrepreneur or even when I started Fantaband, I never meant like tomorrow I'm going to start Fantaband full time. It was just something that happened so naturally that I'm a little shocked and I didn't put the pieces together earlier. This is absolutely what I'm meant to do. Um, I may be 23, but I'm, I'm very much like an 80 year old in my own sense that I, um, I'm very much in touch with social media, but at the same time, I'm so focused on the business aspect of it. What would I like to be known for? That's a good question. I would say I would like to help as many fans feel that the stigma is breaking against fans being a professional or just fans in general, that we're all hysterical and we all don't have opinions that matter. Really, like, just giving fans the confidence to say, sure, okay, and move on. I mean, it takes a lot of convincing yourself. I've had a lot of my heroes in this industry 
tell me this was nuts and then circle back a year and a half later and want to be a part of it. Imagine if I stopped, but I'm nuts. So I didn't stop. Um, So I would like to give fans the confidence in themselves to go for whatever they want to do because you can equally fail at what you don't want to. Um, And also I would love to just reinvent what it means to put on a campaign that's catered to your audience. And I don't want to put out any kind of blanket strategy and create things that people can't copy because what works for one artist does not work for another. So a lot of things, I guess, just a well-rounded known person. Well, I guess. And I want to hype up everyone. That's what I'm known (laughs) for right now. Well, you're making me feel empowered for my Thanks. passion I don't of music. To. So <laughs> I it's it's crazy. I swear to you, I really never meant to do any of this. Sometimes, sometimes I ask myself, what did I get myself into? Um, but it's just so natural to me. I've cared about this for so long. Mm-hmm. I'm, whether someone's recording it on a podcast or I'm talking about it to my friends who are so out of the music industry. I'm equally as passionate and I accidentally convinced everybody else to feel the same way. And I found my own group of people that, you know, feel the same way. And it's a crazy, crazy thing. And I work as hard as I do because I want more opportunities for everyone, everyone who's helped me get here. And also I would love, I'm, I'm definitely a competitive person. The sports definitely uh, drilled that into me, but I would love to show everyone who counted us out that they were wrong and have them email me and say they need our help, which I will gladly answer and be happy to help. That's probably the best feeling ever. (laughs) Yeah, it's happened already. And it's funny, but um, I, I, I wouldn't even call it blind faith. I would call it very well informed faith. I say a lot to our team, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when this is going to work out. I just don't know when. And all we can do is take it day by day and also anticipate. It's like flying a plane while building it at the same time. You can prep and prep all you want, but there's some things that you can only do when the moment comes. So we've had a lot of great moments. um, And I, you know, that optimism is what keeps us going. Trust me, it's been hard sometimes is you know, any, you know, there's a not so glamorous side to startups, but we are in a sector of the industry that's run on passion and yeah, it's what keeps us going. Honestly, I know that you're going to do what you set your mind to. You've done so much at the age that you're at. And um, I think it's just so incredible to build a community that you feel comfortable in and providing that space for everyone that's similar to you. That's all what we wish for, right? Yeah. (laughs) So thank you so much, Jamie, for joining us and um, talking about your journey and talking about fan engagement and fan culture. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You both are so awesome. And I've, you know, been told about your podcast numerous times and we were going to reach out, but then a street team member reached out to me and showed me how to reach out to you guys. Like, wow, they're literally on top of it. I do not exaggerate it. They sent me the link. So shout out top us for letting me learn more about your podcast and having the opportunity to be here. So yeah, thank you guys so much. And and also Tapas is a, a great person. He actually just emailed me today. So I love hearing the connections. Just keep doing what you're thank doing. You. I love seeing it. And but we appreciate you. But thank you so much, guys. Bye guys. Bye. Thank you. 
Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Setup Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review the Setup on Apple Podcasts. And I encourage you to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. If you have any topic recommendations or questions, please visit us at www.thesetupseries.com. 